Hi, it's Keelan. This is part two of our top five games of all time. If you haven't listened to the first part, I recommend listening to that before you listen to this one. If you have listened to the first part, congratulations, you made it. Hooray. So uh, put your feet up. Open a can of tomato juice and enjoy the show. Thank you. Truth is, I am Iron Man. Lieutenant Dan! Inconceivable! I got a bad feeling about this. All right, top two. Top That's two, guys. Times. Holy smokes. Here we go. Uh, so this is between my number one and number two. This was by far the hardest one for me to decide. And interestingly enough, well, actually, never mind. I'll get to that when I get to number one. For starters, my number two is Halo 2. I really struggled which Halo to pick um, because I think all of the Halos minus Halo Wars have redeeming qualities about them. (laughs) Dude, Halo Wars was pretty crappy. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was not a good time. Um, But I picked Halo 2 for a couple reasons. But before we get into that, if you don't know already, Halo... Uh, the Halo series, um, up until I believe four, so Halo one, two, and three were all developed by Bungie. Halo four and five were developed by three four three studios, um, and this was Bungie when they were owned by Microsoft. So this game was published by Microsoft. Microsoft owns the rights for all the Halo games, so on and so forth. Halo two specifically was released on November 9th of two thousand four on Xbox, um, the original Xbox, and uh, the Microsoft Windows, not Microsoft Office. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I forgot to mention that. All by the way, everyone, I just I want to let you know that Destiny Two, Rock Band, and Need for Speed Most Wanted, which we already knew because Daniel told us, they all actually run very well on Microsoft <laughs> Office. <laughs> you can pick Word, Excel; it doesn't matter which program. Run them all. <laughs> run them all simultaneously. That's what it means to be split screen, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, Halo, I think all the Halo games kind of check off all of my, um, criteria. Um, and I mean, Halo 2 is no exception, but there's a specific reason why I picked Halo 2 and it's more of the nostalgia and memory, um, factor for me. Um, I had a very good friend growing up whose name is Garrett. Shout out to Garrett if you're listening. Um, and he had an Xbox and I did not have an Xbox and he had Halo 2, and I obviously, because I didn't have an Xbox, did not have Halo 2. And we spent so much time playing Halo 2, um, and that was when I figured out how to play first-person shooters. That's when I figured out how the heck you're supposed to move two joysticks to to navigate around a, a, a free-roaming world. Um, and there's so much learning that happened with Halo 2 and so much immersion. We played this game so much. Um, everything from land parties to the split screen, the two of us doing co-op through the missions, which is something that we don't get in a whole lot of games these days anymore, is cooperative missions, um, especially split screen, because split screen is basically dead nowadays. Um, but the thing that I loved most about this is that in my learning and discovery, figuring out how to play these types of games, Bungie and Microsoft actually hid tons of really awesome easter eggs that literally like just like in ready player one they they encouraged you to just 
like explore around in places that you wouldn't think to explore around in and to get creative in how you get there. Um, the, the thing that comes to mind, there's a mission in Halo 2 where you're going, running through this city, trying to, um, go catch up to this giant scarab thing. It's like a walking mega tank. Um, and as you're going through the city, you go through this really tight condensed downtown area. Um, and there's this collapsed bridge. If instead the main mission has you go over the collapsed bridge through the city, and then you go through a tunnel and then you're out on the streets by the beach and you keep going. If instead you kill all the bad guys, take a second, you look around, you can actually jump up on top of boxes and light posts and buildings, and you can navigate around the buildings, get over on the uncollapsed part of the bridge, climb up on the rail, you can toss a grenade at your feet, jump up, and literally the blast of the grenade will shove you up a little further without killing you, and you can get up on top of the next building over. You can run across all the buildings in the area, and there is literally a hole in the top of one of these buildings you can only get to by doing this that inside has an energy sword that you can just pick up and you can run around and go kill people. (laughs) And it has shotgun shells that spell out some awesome, I can't remember what it says, but it spells out some like word like congrats or something. I don't even know, but it's this super cool Easter egg that you only find by dinking around and like going where you're not supposed to go. And there's so many other examples of this. There's um, special skulls that you can find that are basically cheats that you can only enable by doing them, like getting them on the hardest difficulty. There's one that has a scarab gun that you have to lure a banshee through a tunnel, a very long tunnel, steal it from the enemy at the last second before it blows up because it's in the wrong spot. And then you can fly up to the next section and there's like, there's like this little rifle thing that shoots off tank blasts. <laughs> it's wild, guys. That's awesome. Like, there's so many, so many cool Easter eggs in this game all over Dude. the place where Bungie was just like, hey, you can play through the mission, and we worked really hard to make it a cool game and cool gameplay and, you know, make it an intriguing story. But also, you can just dink around and do whatever and see what you find. Let us know. Well, literally the what about, they did. The thing about that is... I always knew about the skulls and everything, but I didn't know about all those other little details, which I think are really cool. Easter eggs are something that sometimes kind of aren't around. There's a lot of games that don't have them, but there's there's games that have them now, but nothing like Halo. Nothing like what you're talking about nowadays. No, no, nothing like it. So obviously this had to make it to my number two. Um, I think the only reason it didn't take my number one spot um, was because it didn't it didn't promote the same sense of uh, of community as my number one. There there was a sense of community with this. You could have LAN parties where you connect several different Xboxes together, and you all play against each other on like split screen with like four different TVs and whatnot, which is great. But you can only do co op with just you and one other person, which is great, and it's a lot better than what you could get in some other games. But it wasn't to the level of my other game that made my number one. And that's why I left this at number two, but it was very, very tough for me to decide this because I truly, truly love this game. This is a game that to this day, I still have the master chief collection. And when I pop it in, I play halo two every time, even though I've beaten it a million times. And even though I know where all the stuff is, I play it again and again and again. And I love it every time. It's got a phenomenal story for sure. I love that game too. Wow. 
like you, Daniel, I had a very hard time choosing one and two. Um, I had number three and number four, like locked in before I had five, one and two. And so one and two, then I had locked in and then five was the last one. But that being said, this game had the number one slot on my list at first, um, for like half the time that I was choosing. And I decided, I've talked about this in the top 10 movies of all time, but when you really start pitting these games against each other, when you're like, put like you're thinking about them side by side in your mind, you're like, Oh my, but this one has that. Oh, but that one has, Oh, but it gets tough. It really does. (laughs) Like this is hard, but this game, uh, I know is probably still on some of your lists. This is kingdom hearts, uh, released in 2002 on PlayStation 2. Kingdom Hearts, the original Kingdom Hearts, I will say I sort of made a top 10, and Kingdom Hearts 2 was my number 6. So Kingdom Hearts 2 also was almost my number 5, and I know that's sort of cheating, putting two Kingdom Hearts games, but they really are both that good. Um, Kingdom Hearts 1 is a little bit more nostalgic for me. But man, Kingdom Hearts, man, it's got... it's, It's Disney meets... Uh, Final Fantasy uh, meets JRPG. Um, It's just fantastic. I remember Tyler bought it for me on my birthday for PlayStation 2. I had played it a little bit on his console, but I hadn't had it yet. Um, And he he bought it for me and brought it to my house, and we played it in my basement, my parents' basement. Um, And it was the best, man. We played through Traverse Town, the first world, that night and it was the best um donald and goofy being like your sidekicks the whole time is hilarious frustrating and wonderful because <laughs> donald will never heal you until you've healed yourself and <laughs> goofy will always be six levels ahead of everyone else somehow even worse with donald was that he would sometimes heal you when you had like basically full <laughs> yes. health and you're like dude like, Sara! and you're like no dude stupid anyway kingdom hearts man this game is awesome um this game made mickey my favorite disney character of all time um when people started to ask me like who's your favorite disney character like when i went to disneyland i was like mickey because of king mickey in kingdom hearts because he's that epic in these games um it's very yes true. um so so good uh two more things one time i had i had already been playing this game and I was in GameStop with my sister, Megan. Shout out to Megan if you're listening. And Megan was kind of perusing the shelves just because I was there. And she was like, whoa, this game says Disney? Is this a Disney game? And and like held up Kingdom Hearts. And I was like, little do you know that that may be the best game ever made. <laughs> and she was like, wait, you played this? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was really cool just to like just your average person who doesn't know, he goes, Oh look, a Disney game. How cool might that be? You know what I mean? And they think it's one of those little rinky dink, um, fairy games or something. I don't know. Some, some kind of like game after a movie type thing, but really it's the most, uh, what's the word? Ambitious storyline ever. The most convoluted and that's the yeah, word. convoluted, ambitious, terrifying not terrifying but outrageously hard to follow but still good and then the last thing i want to uh 
talk about is the music. Um, it's got the best music of, of any video game period. That's it. It's it's the best. Um, number one. But not enough to be my number one game. But the music is by far the best. Um, so there you go. Kingdom Hearts 2002 on PlayStation 2. Also re-released for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. And they'll probably do it for PlayStation 5. Um, Kingdom Hearts, man. And that brings me to my number two, which is Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Kingdom Hearts 2, Final Mix. And I think that one beats... That one takes the cake for me. I'm sorry. I love the first Kingdom Hearts. It's got amazing music. It's got a great story. It's probably one of the most comprehensible stories of all of the Kingdom Hearts games because it was the first one ever made. Um, and for that reason, the simplicity of it is very appealing. And I think that's. And I think some... that might be one of the biggest reasons why I chose it over is because it's very easy to recommend um, to people. There's, there's in some ways nothing more powerful than the scene where, um, sorry if you haven't played it, it's released in two thousand two, <laughs> y'all. Okay, but Sora loses the Keyblade, which is the only thing that keeps Donald and Goofy with him. It's the only thing. Um, like it's the reason why they found him. That's the reason why they ended up partnering up with him. He loses the Keyblade to somebody else. Like it literally, the Keyblade chooses somebody else instead of Sora. And uh, Donald, you know, being his Donald self, is like, nah, I'm gonna go with the key. And Goofy's like, I don't care what you do, Donald. I'm not leaving my friend behind. And he puts his shield up. <laughs> Dude, it's a friggin' goofy dog. Like, it makes me cry, dude. It's so <laughs> it ridiculous, does. but it's so powerful. That scene is one of the most powerful scenes in all of the Kingdom Hearts uh, games, just straight up. But um, not the only thing that I think might be that moment is the end of Kingdom Hearts two, and I think that's why I put I, that's part of the reason why I put this one up on the pedestal is that when it came to the end of it, uh, I remember the first time beating this game. The first time I beat this game, I sat with my jaw dropped from the moment that I entered the final phase of the last boss. My jaw was literally dropped. I was, I was, the room was messy. I remember this, Keelan. The room was messy. We were on that little square TV, the tube TV that we got, the first TV we had in our room. The silver one? And it was. Dude, I remember that TV. And I was in, I was in middle school and I was playing that game and, um, and when it was, yeah, when it was at the end, I was just, like, standing. I think my mom wanted me to fold my laundry and everything. I was standing there, like, just jaw-dropped. Um, because the very end, it's Sora and Riku. And everything comes full circle. And in all honesty, sometimes I wish that Kingdom Hearts ended at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2. Because it's just this really nice ending. Everyone gets back to the island. It's great. But on the other the other part of me is like I want to play more Kingdom Hearts, so please release more. And that's the other reason why this one's on there instead of Kingdom Hearts One is the replayability, the longevity of it. I enjoy playing Kingdom Hearts Two a lot more than I enjoy playing Kingdom Hearts One now. So many years later, after beating the game so many times, the last time I beat Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix, I still had a hard time going through it because I've done it so many times. But I still think it's a more enjoyable gameplay system. Like the drive system is so cool. And the uh, the reason I say final mix is because the data battles was like, the, that's the coolest addition I've seen for bosses in a game, like a data version. That's way harder. Oh, that's awesome. And you had to really learn them. It's just, that one's just so much fun. And 
more secret so many secret bosses y'all so many secret bosses so anyway that one gets the number two for me lots of replayability great gameplay for its time great visuals and a really good story and then as far as community goes it's, a t- it's something you can talk about so uh, before we move on from kingdom hearts i want to interject a little bit as well um i too weeped at the end of kingdom hearts 2 and the end of kingdom hearts 1 um, the music at the very end of these games is incredible. And just like Tyler, I'm standing with my jaw dropped, just crying, going, wow. Like, I remember the first time I beat Kingdom Hearts 2, that's a hard game to beat. And when you're like, yeah. you know, in middle school, like it's a difficult game to beat. And I just remember like, I can't believe I did it. And then just like the whole sequence <laughs> is so satisfying at the end of that game. Oh my gosh. Literally weeped, like weeped. And I, I think I texted you, Tyler. And, and like the next morning was like, dude, I cried. And that was like, yeah, I, I, I think I beat the game for the first time at like three in the morning when I was supposed to be sleeping. Dude, I just, I weeped, <laughs> yeah. dude. It, wow. That yeah. is fantastic. The part that gets me the most, I think out of any of it is in the first one. This, so yeah, it's a rated E game with Disney characters and stuff. You play as a kid. Um, uh, your your quest is to save uh, one of your childhood friends, um, and you you fight your best friend who was overtaken by an evil guy or whatever. Um, and you see, just be careful because you're going down a very long road by trying to. <laughs> no, no, I'm just trying story. to set the tone of this one scene. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you're trying to I'm save sorry. your friend. You just fought your other friend, and you see your friend lying there, uh, dead. This, this girl is lying there dead and you as a kid turn and you take this this keyblade that is capable of unlocking hearts because her heart is in your heart again we're not going to explain that um and <laughs> sora turns to donald and goofy and they know what he's going to do and they're running to stop him and he smiles at them because he's so happy about what he's going to do because he's so content with it and he it's not bloody or anything but he stabs himself in the heart and essentially kills himself so that he can save his friends and she wakes up just as he starts falling down and she goes to hold him and he disappears right before she can grab him and that's another like visual theme that is kind of uh prevalent through the whole series of trying to hold your friend and they disappear right before you can and it's and the music i just got goosebumps oh man um anyway any more kingdom hearts before we move on that game just does it for me, man. I, I'm with you, Tyler. Kingdom Hearts 2, we, we've talked about it so much where we go, Kingdom Hearts 1 is the greatest game ever made, and then they made a better game with Kingdom Hearts 2. And in a lot of ways, I agree with that. It's just the nostalgia factor puts it up there. Um, and again, if I was making a top 10, Kingdom Hearts 2 would be number 6. So, like, it's it's still fantastic. Um, wow. Just, if you, yeah, it's I just can't even... Okay, now on to my number two. Uh, my number two is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, released on May 18th, 2015. Um, when I went to get this game, I I don't know why I was in town, but this was back when they did physical releases at, uh, well, on the, the West Coast, it's at 9 p.m. Um, and so I was in town, and I think I was stopping by the GameStop to get my ticket because you had to get a ticket kind of like assigned seating. And so I was there at five and the GameStop employee was like, 
you just want to like take it home right now i was like like four hours <laughs> earlier and he's like yeah man go for it i was like oh heck yeah and so i That's did it awesome and i i got i think this came this is the other cool thing it's made by cd project red and they um include a lot of stuff in their games not just in the games themselves but in the discs or not in the discs in the in the cases it came with a map it came with a little medallion that i still have it's the witcher medallion uh, it's like a cool wolf and it came with a soundtrack and i listened to the soundtrack on my way home from getting the game and that's that's another game that has a, a fantastic soundtrack but anyway about the game itself um, it has one of the prettiest worlds. I know I said that about Red Dead. Um, even though this game came out uh, three years before Red Dead, um, it the the weather effects, the lighting, the sun, the sunsets are always super cool, and they do that cool thing, uh, which I don't, I haven't done a lot of traveling, so I don't know how common this is, but at least here where we live in Washington, there's a lot of times where it's raining right on top of you and it's really dark, and then you see a couple miles out, it's sunshine or the sun's shining through clouds in certain areas. And so it's like sunny but raining at the same time, and that happens in this game. Windstorms, lightning, where you see whole entire forests moving with the wind, with the grass, and everything. I've never, like, games don't usually have that much movement in their, like, foliage and stuff. And, um... Foliage. Oh, foliage. Yeah, that's <clears throat> Foliage, for sure. Uh... Anyway, uh, it, yeah, so <laughs> huge game. It's very dense, too. There's a lot of uh, huge cities that are, it's not just like wide open spaces. Like they're, they're just winding uh, alleyways and all this cool stuff. Um, the only thing that isn't like the most amazing thing is the main story. It's very long and it's kind of fetch questy where you go to one place and they say, hey, go, I need my goat and then I'll tell you where this person is. Um, but the there's so many way more interesting side quests and like side arcs that you can just dive into that where you you make like by the end of it you have to make pretty tough decisions and they have lasting impacts on the world and other characters and then um by the end of the game there's a couple different endings but uh some of those side activities that you do will make their way into the ending and it'll give a little summary of what the world is like after the game ends and it, you'll see what happened because of your choices and i think that's really cool um and so it's like a dark fantasy world uh and you play as a witcher obviously and so that's a monster hunter uh they were bred from well, not bred but they were taken as a, a young child and uh subjected to like gross experiments that kind of turned them into like half human half superhuman with no emotions and uh and they're they're made to fight monsters and so that's what you have to do um and it's not just, oh, go to a monster and then hit it a bunch of times with your sword. You have to research the monster, figure out what its weakness is, and then you have to go and say, okay, I wanna, I'm want i going to concoct this oil that I'm going to put on my sword, but I need the ingredients for it. And then you have to say, okay, well, I also want to concoct this potion that I will drink that will make me more like a better match against it. And so you have to do all this planning around it, and um, you also get to craft different types of bombs depending on the type of monster. Um, the... The lore is crazy. Obviously, it's based off of a book series, um, and so there's a lot of source material to go off of, um, which makes sense why it's so deep. But, I mean, when you look at a... You have to fight a a, a drake or whatever, or, or a, a drowner, let's say, and you look at the... the um, 
like the writing that you have on it and it's like a couple pages long and you just get to read up on these creatures that are all fairly unique to this world um and yeah figure out what the best way to to tackle it and the combat is really fun um and then it also included this card game called gwent uh which didn't exist in the books they made it it didn't exist in the first two games either. It was uh, new in Witcher 3, and that game is so much fun. I wasted... You can go around and collect cards from all over the world and play people for their cards, and I wasted so much time playing that game, and now it's its its own standalone game, so I have that too, and I... It's so <laughs> much fun. Um, and then on top of that, they released two expansion packs. Well, actually, first, they released 16 DLC that were completely free. You didn't have to pay for it. 16. Uh, it's kind of small stuff like different weapons and armor and side quests and stuff. Um, but then the two expansion packs, uh, Hearts of Stone was the first one, uh, which has, I think, the most compelling story out of the entire game. Uh, it's so good. The be- One of the best characters uh, and antagonists uh, ever. Uh, so good. Really deep stuff. And then uh, Blood and Wine, which is just an entire new game basically you go to a whole new uh, country and the open world is like as big as the main open world in the first one and there's just as many things to do and it's it, the amount of content is insane and so um i I've, i can't even count how many hours i put into this game i can say pretty confidently i've probably done about 60 percent of the stuff that you can do in the game um and yeah it's yeah, it's so great. And it has a, a free PS5 update. Um, and so I've been meaning to replay it, but I think now I'm just going to wait until I have a PS5 so that I can get back into it with its full uh, ups, update and everything. But yeah, fantastic game. Love it a lot. That's my number two. Awesome game. Made my honorable mentions for sure. It's fantastic. I started playing that game and I never, I never gave it enough of a chance it's a, it's a deep it's a deep game it. like you have to you have to give it probably eight to ten hours before you get hooked um something too keelan have you seen the netflix series the witcher i have yeah yeah i i i think i'd recommend it the witcher the witcher netflix series is pretty awesome it's 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 tough to follow because you're you're jumping all over the place on a timeline a lot like eight to ten times an episode sometimes sometimes none but so it get, can can get really difficult, but if you just keep going, it's 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 pretty darn good. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. I'm I'm excited for season two of that. All right, Daniel, here it comes. Holy smokes, we're here, number ones. Here Bring we go. All right, let's just go. Uh, Dan, me, Tyler, Keelan, as fast as we can. Ready? Just kidding. Go ahead, Daniel. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, so my number one was actually already mentioned by somebody else. Oh snap! Wait, wait. Can oh, I guess? Snap. Can I guess it? Uh, sure. No, yeah. it's okay. I know what it is, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you probably do know what it is. Uh, my number uh, number one is Destiny Two. Yeah. Yep, that yeah, was my you guess. Guys knew. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Let me just get this up front. Tyler covered a bunch with this already, and as he was talking, in my head, all I was thinking is. This is why it's number one. This is why it's number one. Why isn't it your number one? You're saying all these things, and it's why it's number one. <laughs> and then I realized that I I'm so deep into Destiny right now that it's 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 scary. In preparation for trying to explain myself as to why Destiny Two would be 
my number one. Um, I did some uh, digging on Bungie, and I found out a lot of things, which for me really even just further solidified. If you started with Destiny 1, you'll know that when Destiny 1 came out, people were like, yeah, this is a cool game. Like, it's a really cool concept. Like, let's jump on and play. And then you jump on, you play with some friends, you you progress to the story, and then eventually it just kind of got boring and you kind of just fizzled out and they wouldn't really release a whole lot of good content. And they had a couple expansions that were like kind of good, but they were short and not long lasting. And you just kind of got wore out. I found out that Bungie... Um, uh, Bungie has gone through several different publishing companies, each of which have had their fingers deeply ingrained in what they do, um, starting with Microsoft. So before Microsoft, Microsoft Office, like, <laughs> right? Microsoft <laughs> Office. Before Microsoft, they uh, Bungie did do a couple other games. Um, I didn't write them down. I can't remember what they're called, but um, they were they did exist prior to Bungie buying them. But when Bungie, or sorry, when Microsoft bought them, when Microsoft bought them, they commissioned them to build the Halo um, universe and the Halo story. So they did. They did Halo 1, and they did Halo 2, and they did Halo 3. Um, And in 2017, um, I think it was 2017, maybe a little bit earlier, uh, Bungie was like, you know what, Uh, we're going to separate ourselves from Microsoft. Microsoft can keep the rights to Halo and everything that they did there, and we're going to go do our own thing. But they didn't have a publisher, so they partnered with Activision as their publisher from 2017 to 2018, which is um, during Destiny 1 era. If you know anything about Activision, they're one of those publishing companies that likes to push out a lot of content regardless of its quality. They like to think of quantity over quality, which isn't always inherently bad, but it's also not necessarily good. And they have opinions on what they're going to publish. And for a developing or development company... Um, having your publisher having so much say and weigh in on what you do is difficult. So eventually, Bungie finally, uh, in uh, 2019, um, separated themselves from Activision and are now self-published. And that means that Destiny 2, from 2019 on, has been the full brainchild of the Bungie team. Bungie is a development company that listens to their fans pretty well, and they've listened to what they like, what they want, and what needs to be improved. They've released updates for each since they've big since they've been their own publishing. They've released updates to the game that have actually literally improved things because fans are like, "Hey, this isn't working," or "Hey, this thing is way too overpowered," and they'd power it down, and they and then fans would be like, "Hey, this isn't powered enough," and then bring it to the middle, and they'd find a happy ground. They literally listen to their fans, and they have forums. They've built a website so that their fans can talk with them and help them create this game. They are a developing development company for the fans, which is phenomenal. With that said, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's that was a great history of Bungie, so thank you. Yeah. With that said, moving into Destiny 2, uh, this game, even more so in the last... Well, through COVID, as that's when I've really started to press into it. I've realized how deep that they've took this, taken this game. They've pressed into the lore of this game in a way that I haven't really seen in many other games. They literally have, if you open your character screen in Destiny and you go to the left menu, there's a section for lore. And inside that section, there's three sub-menus, and each one has a plethora of literal books that you can collect pages or chapters for as you roam around all of these planets and in this solar system and as you complete challenges and everything else. 
those books create backstory and um, fill the gaps in the story and in the lore um, to create this immersive world that you get to discover as you continue to play. And with Beyond Light, there's so much changing and Bungie is putting so much on the line in terms of the characters they've built and the worlds they've built. Um, and they're actually willing to risk the things that they've done to create a better story. And I don't want to get into like the nitty gritty of it, but I'm telling you, like, I feel like that guy in the meme who's like pointing at the billboard with the strings (laughs) everywhere. Like that's how deep I am into this. Not only that, but like Tyler mentioned, the community that this game creates is just unparalleled in anything. It's because of this game that I've been able to play so much more like with you guys and connect with you guys. When I first got my PlayStation 4, like you guys were all playing this game, and so I downloaded the free version, and I jumped on, and I started to play, and I carried my characters over from my Xbox, and like we got to play games together for the first time in like years because of this game. And then I introduced this game to uh, my pastor and my worship leader and like three other dudes from my church. And now we're like working on creating our own little raid team. And like, there's just all this community that I'm getting to build around me um, here up in the Pacific Northwest when everybody's far apart or everybody's like, you know, COVID, you can't hang out with anybody and stuff, which is just fantastic. So, I don't know. I feel like there's so many good things I can say about this game, but the two things I wanted to press on most were the fact that destiny has pushed into the, the lore. They've listened to their fans. They've um, made the right changes and they've grown and adapted to meet the needs of the people that play their game. And it's worked for them. And they've made a game that is continually pressing the bounds of, of what it means to play with your friends and, to discover worlds and to fight evil and all the things that you want in a game. So I think that's all I'm going to say on it for now. Dang. Well, you said a lot and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like all that backstory, all that and and taking into consideration. Um, one last thing I do want to say about Bungie real fast. When you go to their like employment page, the quote that they have listed there is we build worlds that inspire friendships and that alone is why I've put so much money into <laughs> this game. I think that is a very righteous mission for a video game company. That's pretty cool. I think that's my biggest qualm with Destiny 2 is that I don't want to pay for it. You know? I mean, if you love it <laughs> yeah. like you guys do, and, and I almost do, honestly. Like, I, it's a great game, and I love playing it with you guys. Um, but for me, it's that each expansion is like 30 bucks. I just, you know what I mean? I just don't want to spend $300 yeah. on a game. <laughs> so, well, uh, and that's one of the th- other things I wanted to mention really quick. Just yeah, last yeah. point is that they, they created this game that meets gamers on all different levels. You know, so true. the game itself is free, so you don't have to spend a dime to play this game with your friends. You won't be able to, you know, dive deep in the story or the lore, but you'll be able to jump on. You'll be able to do the free story versions. You'll be able to do, uh, you know, play against your friends on the um, on the Crucible and play some Gambit with your friends and do all the things. You can you can engage in the community. You can engage in the game. You can play it. And if it's something that you enjoy, <laughs> then you can spend money. Like, you don't have to. And if you're nuts like me, you buy the $70 expansion because you want all the all the things. Yes, it's true, folks. I did it. <laughs> oh, man. 
Uh, okay. But, Sorry, go ahead, Daniel. One more thing. <laughs> Very last thing, I promise. <laughs> Even with that, like every... So they do the expansion and every season has um, like modified story and missions and new types of content for you to play through that like... For me, that's why, again, it, it justifies me spending that because I'm crazy about it. But, yeah, that's my last point. Okay, I know that most most of you, I know that no one is watching the video because we don't have a video portion of this podcast yet, but raise your hand if you know what my number one is. Tyler definitely knows. Uh, yeah, okay, so my number one game of all time is Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Uh, For those of you who love Morrowind, for those of you who love Oblivion, sorry. I didn't play those. So that's it for me. That's my number one. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Skyrim is my introduction to the Elder Scrolls series. Um, I first played it the... I think it was two days after it came out. Um, Tyler and I went with our friend Tyus and we're hanging out with all of our friends waiting outside of GameStop before they bought it, um, including like... Tyus the TV star. Tyus the TV star. He he got second place on America's Funniest Videos back in the day. Anyway, for doing a cannonball into the baptismal, pretty great. Uh, I was there live, by the way, but it wasn't in the video, so I guess it's fine. But anyway, <laughs> uh, wow. Elder Scrolls V Skyrim came out in 2011, November 11th, 2011. Um, we were there when it came out, and that night we played Little Big Planet 2. But I played Skyrim for the first time a couple days later because Keelan, you did get it at launch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played it and was just in awe of how expansive the world was and how big it was and how I just felt like there's this world out there that I'm just now becoming a part of that was like this has been here a long time Um, and that's not I'm not talking about like the Elder Scrolls community because that too but I'm talking about how they made Skyrim feel the feeling of the game just feels like it's been there for like a thousand years um, and you're just walking into it into this big huge expansive story where you can do whatever you want and you're just you're just there and you're like wow this seems real one of the things about this game is there are no cutscenes there are absolutely no cutscenes in Skyrim the closest thing to a cutscene in Skyrim is when someone is talking of importance and the camera will make you look at that person for a certain amount of time until you like talk through them or listen to their dialogue and then you'll have control again. But there are other times when in big, huge story parts of the game where you still have full control, even though the other person, like the bad guy is doing his monologue. Uh, For example, my favorite thing I've ever done in Skyrim is at the very end of the Dark Brotherhood storyline if you choose a certain thing, you are tasked with killing the Emperor um, of Solitude and of of a lot of Skyrim. Anyway, you find him. He's like in hiding. You find him and you sneak up to him and he turns around and he looks at you and he starts telling you this big, long monologue. And it's not one of those times when it makes you look at him. You can do whatever you want. So I literally shot him in the face. <laughs> like, like two lines into his big monologue that I'm sure was going to last a really long time. I just 
pulled out my bow, shot him right between the eyes and he was dead. And I was like, my mission's done and walked out. <laughs> I literally like, you don't, you don't, you don't have to play by the rules. Like you don't have to listen to this guy talk. Like you're like, eh, I'm good. And you just go for it. Um, and he was the emperor. He's the emperor of Tamriel. He is the yeah, guy yes. of all the, like the all guy. The countries, like yeah. and it, yeah, and it doesn't make you, yeah. It's I love it. So, holy smokes, no cutscenes. Um, this world feels lived in. Um, anytime, anytime I listen to the music of Skyrim, it like starts putting me to sleep. It's almost like a lullaby. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. It's yeah. Th- there's just. The music is what I would call expansive as well. Um, very much makes you feel like you're there. Um, I Another couple of good memories. I was playing with my brother, because this is one of my brother's favorite games too, Derek. Um, if you're listening, what up? Uh, he and I used to play it side by side on, on, on our PS3s together. And we used to play them like screen by screen. And I would know when Derek was about to fall asleep because his character would start like slowly aiming towards the sky and like not doing anything and not moving. And he'd just keep aiming and keep aiming. And then I'd look back and my brother would still be holding his controller, but his head was back and his mouth was open. He was out. And I'd be like, I'd be like, Derek, a dragon. He'd be like, (gasps) and he'd start. And his guy would like start running around and then like, he'd play for like a couple more minutes and I keep playing. And then I look over and his screen's doing the same thing again. And it's like, it was so funny. He was playing in his sleep. Um, so pretty, pretty awesome. I love this game, not to mention dragons. Um, it's, Mm. it's got some of the coolest, um, some of the coolest dragon, uh, uh, what's it called? Like the dragons look incredible and they're terrifying and they're not, they're not like, oh my gosh, this dragon is the size of a city. It's not like it's not like that. It's like a, it's like they really are like a mythical creature, like maybe twice the size of like a mammoth. So they're big, but like it's, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying it's realistic, but in, it makes sense in the world. Everything in Skyrim just makes sense. Everything does. Um, and the, the dungeons in this game, dude, they are crazy, crazy. They're so big and there's so many dungeons. Um, holy smoke, Skyrim. I have platinum this game twice. <laughs> And if it re-releases on PlayStation 5, I will platinum it again. I'm not kidding. And I will enjoy the crap out of it. I've put probably 500 hours into Skyrim, um, exploring every freaking place that I possibly can. And I'm sure that there's something that I've missed most of the time when I'm jumping into it again. I'm like, oh, I've been here before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I love it. And I hope that with the Elder Scrolls 6 that they, which is, you know, rumored to be in development. Who knows when it'll come out? Maybe 2030. But when it comes out, I'm going to get it opening day and I'm going to play it. And I'm hoping that it, it has the same lived-in feel and is just another cool, expansive story that you can do whatever you want with. Because this game, I, I had a hard time not putting this at number one, and that's why it's there, honestly. I, I was like, Kingdom Hearts is so good. It's so good, but Elder Scrolls V, like Skyrim, is my favorite. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's why... Skyrim is my number one. Yeah. I got Kingdom Hearts. I knew it was going to be in my top five. And I also knew as soon as I said Kingdom Hearts, I was like, it's not going to be my number one. It's not. It's going to be my number two. I think it's a great game. 
but I'm almost certain it's going to be my number two. That was the first thing that I ranked was Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix number two. I was just like, <laughs> I know it's going to be there. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm actually really excited um, to know what your number one is, Tyler, because I actually have been thinking and I have no idea. Yeah, you'll be surprised, I think. I think you'll be surprised. Chips um, challenge. <laughs> Bummer. Chips challenge. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Chip. What's that one? What's that like one game? Dan, Bob's Dan's Diner or something that's not cross compatible with the PS5. It's that game. Oh, I'm so upset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's like there's that like stupid diner game. I like to play. There's like the ten time. games that cross. are on PlayStation Four that you can't cr- <laughs> that you can't backwards compatible with PS5. Yeah. yeah, that's your favorite. So. No, my my number one, believe it or not, is God of War, the one that just came out. And the reason why that's my number one is because, so it doesn't do anything. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be straight up honest with you. It doesn't do anything in the community category. Zero. doesn't do a single thing. But I think it is a five in every other category. Story, visuals, gameplay, longevity, and replayability. All of those are an absolute 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, 12 out of 10 for God of War. And I didn't think so when I first played it. So, Dan, as you tune out, I did not think so when I first played it, okay? So when I first played this game, I got through the... To be fair, it was right before I got married. So I played through the storyline as quick as I could because I knew that once I got married, there were going to be other things that I'd want to do besides play video games. So I uh, got through the story as quick as I possibly could. And then what I ended up doing was putting the game down and never going back to it. I didn't go back to it for for years, literally. I didn't go back to it for years. And so um, when I finally picked it back up again, which was literally months ago, and I don't think I'm biased because I just finished platinuming this game, um, but that was one of the most fun platinums that I've ever gotten. And there were a bunch of collectibles in God of War and all of them were actually a lot of fun for me to get. The even the ravens, I thought the ravens were going to be the worst, and I actually kind of had a good time doing the ravens. Yeah, they were actually fun. I was yeah. like, "Ugh, the only thing I have left is the raven. This is going to suck." And I was like, "Actually, this is sweet." Yeah, because then when you'd see one or hear one, you're like, oh, "It's nearby. <laughs> like, I can totally get it." And then even when you saw it, sometimes it was hard to get. So I thought that was really cool. Um, so the story is fantastic. Um, I love when games take a big turn or when any storyline takes a big turn and does some risky things. And basically God of War has always just been a slash it up. Who cares about the story? Really? You're just going to go kill all the gods. And to be, and to be extra fair, the story in all those, the first three God of Wars wasn't actually that bad. And it wasn't actually as shallow as you think it is. The character itself was shallow. Um, to a certain extent, but the story itself wasn't entirely shallow. You were going through killing all of the Greek gods, but yeah, so a, a risky turn of the story that turned out really well. Great voice acting, amazing visuals. One of the best games to run on the PS4 Pro. Period. I'm sorry, there was not a single other game on the PS4 Pro that ran better and looked better than God of War. Um, the gameplay itself, and this is something that is huge for me. I never, even after platinuming the game, beating all of the major bosses, I never mastered the gameplay. And I don't mean that because it was difficult. I mean because there was such a depth to it. Like, I, I posted on Twitter a while back uh, a crazy combo that I ended up doing. And I was like, if I had been thinking about 
God of War. This is right before I had the Platinum. If I had been thinking about God of War, like I just did that combo, my entire game would be indifferent. It would be completely different. Like I chucked the axe over here, punched this guy in the face, hit this dude with a shield, call the axe back, and slam it down on the ground. Like it just looked so good. Oh, it looked amazing. And it finished the challenge for me. It was just perfect. It also fulfills my boss battle niche which is a big thing for me. I love big, hard boss battles. Love them. And um, although it doesn't reach the caliber of, say, Kingdom Hearts 3's Remind, those data battles were probably some of the most fun boss battles I've ever played in my entire life. Um, It does get up there with the Valkyrie fights. Those are super, super epic. Each one of them builds off of the other, and eventually you learn how to fight the, the last Valkyrie because you fought all the other ones. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that because I know that I'm not the only one that has this at their number one, <laughs> and that leaves Keelan. So I'm going to let you finish this one off. Yeah, I was toying between yeah between God of War and the Burger King game, uh, Sneak King, and uh, God of War 1. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> how that's crazy man that's a real game by the way you should look it up anyway uh yeah god of war man holy smokes uh i played through the the first three games um and i yeah i thought they were a lot of fun i did not like kratos i thought he sucked um and all he wanted to do was kill all the greek gods because he killed his own family and he blamed them and it like that was the whole. That was the driving force. There were some things that happened that added a little depth to other characters, but never to Kratos. Um, and I remember when they revealed this at, I think it was PSX or or an E3, and there was like this slow buildup of a boy playing with like a toy horse, and then the camera pans up and it shows Kratos and he walks out, and I was like, really? Of all the people, you're gonna bring back Kratos? Like what? That that character does not like it, it won't work really in a modern game. It's it's just not not like games have progressed so far in the in terms of uh, story and and character depth. And I was like, there's no way. Um, and I was really apprehensive up until it released, and I saw all the like scores it was getting, and they talked specifically about how you know his character is fleshed out, and that's like an understatement. Uh, his the greatest thing is that. So the the original games uh, is all Greek mythology. This is Norse mythology. Um, so you're in a totally different realm, and it would probably be very easy for the developers to just kind of retcon everything that happened and then do like a soft reboot. Um, but everything that happened in the original games in Greece, that's still part of his past, and he's dealing with that now. He has a kid now. He has had a wife, um, and you see him try to come to terms with who he was and he has to raise his son and um i think one of the coolest dynamics is through the the um story of the original ones kratos actually becomes a god and his son has no idea he does his son has no idea that he's even from a different place and you see this dynamic of kratos trying to raise his son uh try to build him up to be a strong uh provider because his mom's gone um and also trying to hide this deep dark secret of how awful of a person he was uh in the past and oh man the story is uh, it's my by far my favorite story um 
in a game. It's one of my favorite stories, uh, like, ever, really. And I know I, I think I said that about uh, Red Dead 2 as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the gameplay is great. The Leviathan Axe, when, which is the main weapon you have, you, you can throw it and you can recall it, kind of like Thor's hammer. Um, and But I, it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it. But throwing it and then recalling it, the little thump when you grab it and the little vibration that happens... Oh, it's so satisfying. Um, and yeah, the, the Valkyrie fights uh, were incredible. Uh, and that was one that maybe more personally for me, um, I was an RA at the time when I was trying to beat the final Valkyrie. And the guys in my hall were kind of invested in watching me uh, overcome the challenge. And I thought that was really cool because I never had anything like that really happen. Um, and then I think... I don't. I I love the soundtrack. It it's probably my favorite soundtrack of a game. Um, I think Kingdom Hearts has phenomenal music. I just think the production value of like the sounds they use and the instruments and the the, the uh, like choir and stuff. Um, that's just my style. Like I I just jam with that. Oh man, it's so good. Um, and then the fights, the the big boss fights. Like the Valkyries are cool and they're really challenging and fun. But then like the big set piece fights where you fight like a dragon and like you're flipping through the air and you're riding them and you're climbing all while this is happening you're you're like oh it's oh, it's just it's so good um i had dang it i had something to come into my mind when i was saying that uh oh the the camera angle it doesn't cut a single time we just did or they this podcast just did a thing on 1917 this game does the same thing uh, no cuts whatsoever, um, and it's very impressive, and it really uh, brings you in with the characters, and the performances are great. There's a character, I don't remember the actor, but he's a pretty prominent character in Lost, and he's in this game, and he does such a good performance as the main antagonist. I won't say his name, um, and you got cameos by like Troy Baker and Nolan North playing uh, Magni and Modi, Thor's sons, and yes, there's a huge stinger at the end which i won't say but like you beat the game the credits roll and then you get the option to go back to your house um and then something happens if, you, if you've beat the game and you haven't gone back to your house do it yes it's very important and it's like a it's uh i don't know like a 15 second scene and it oh my gosh it's such a big stinger and then it just goes black and that's like the real ending and it sets up uh the next god of war which they just teased uh like a month ago or something uh very good uh yeah like tyler said i think it hits uh it's like the top tier of all those categories um i think i think one of the greatest scenes one of the greatest like sort of cut scene pieces ever the, probably my favorite and the best ever is when he's when he finally tells his son i'm a god boy and he says it just like that mm-hmm. like that whole that whole like thing that you play all of that is incredible it is so good it's like better written than most movies um yeah that when he finally tells him because you're waiting for that the whole stinking game and you're you're busy doing other stuff and it makes sense and uh, uh atreus just keeps asking questions just keeps asking he's asking finally he's just like <sighs> he's like i'm a god boy like just oh that's just so nice and what's Something that they add, which I thought is so hilarious, is... um, So, yeah, we talked a little bit about how Kratos was a terrible person in the old games, killing a bunch of people and was angry all the time. 
and then he's trying to turn his life around or he has turned his life around but he still has that inner uh, conflict inside of him there's uh points where you are in this lake and you can just kind of explore in a boat and you're just hanging out with your son and you also have the head of uh oh what's his name uh, uh, something um, um, yeah the head Which, that you the, carry the around the guy that's in the tree. Dang, anyway, um, it's you three in the yeah. boat, and you're just exploring at your own leisure. You can go and you can collect things all around. That's like the most open world area of the game. Um, and uh, you're telling stories with each other. Well, at least the head is telling stories because he has he knows everything that's been going on in, in the uh, Midgard. And then your son, Atreus, asks Kratos to tell a joke. And Kratos tries his best to tell a joke and i don't know what it it's like one time a frog tried to jump onto a <laughs> rock and another rock came down and i killed him and and then it's like silence and then the trace is like that sucked <laughs> kratos has no idea yes. how to tell a joke um, yes but yeah the character development and the twists and turns are which can mm-hmm. i say something real quick if you haven't looked this up before look up kratos telling dad jokes it's the voice actor telling it's dad funny. jokes. It's very Just funny. It's really funny. It's good, yeah. <laughs> Which I think that, didn't he pass away oh. recently? I hope not. Oh, okay. Someone told me that the voice actor for that guy passed away. Um, that was a student of I mine. Don't so, think, I haven't heard anything about it. About it. I, I know uh, his name's Christopher Judge. Nah, he's, he's alive. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a different actor okay. than the good. original. So maybe, maybe the original voice actor died. I'm maybe sure. that guy died. Um, I should say I did you mention Mimir. mythology? Mimir is the head. Uh, yeah, Mimir. not really. No, that's just right. that this was Norse mythology. Dude, that's another part that I like about it. Every time you're in the boat, you're hearing actual Norse mythology. That's like really accurate. It's and it's really being cool. told to like the 13 year old, you know, 12, 13 year old kid, and so he's doing it like as plainly and easy as possible, but not sparing any dirty details. Like it's it's nice. And yeah, really quick, last thing, the scale of the game. I know I talked about it a little bit with like the dragon fight, but like it's massive. Not that it's like a lot to explore. It's, I mean, it's still a fairly uh, big world. It's, it's like semi uh, open world, I would say. Uh, there's a couple different realms you can go to. Uh, you can go to Helheim or, or the Elf place, Elfelheim, uh, and Jotunheim and some other ones, I think. Um, Alfheim, Jotunheim. Muspelheim, <laughs> Midgard. Yes, Mus- Muspelheim. Um, Muspelheim. Um, one of the, oh, if you know anything yeah. about Norse mythology, one of the main, not main characters, but a character that is uh, present in the world for basically the whole game is the World Serpent, and he is ginormous. Obviously, because he is so huge that he can wrap around the whole world or whatever. But I mean, he's huge and there's certain times where like the camera will will zoom out or you can see parts of his body way out in the distance and if you're not paying attention you wouldn't you would think that's just a mountain but you can see like scales on it It, oh it's so cool um so yeah that's my that's my number one and uh, yeah i was surprised i didn't think that was going to be your number one i I figured it was going to be on your list but yeah super this one this one was definitely on my honorable mentions and it was on the left side for a very long time well, that's a good segue into our honorable mentions. Obviously, we won't spend as much time talking about each one, but I think we all have a few that we want to at least get out there that we enjoyed a lot. Yes. Uh, Danny, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, when I started making this list, I basically picked my top 10 and then tried to narrow it down to my top five. So God of War made my honorable mentions, which means it's in my top 10. Um, but the one, one of the ones that I wanted to make sure I mentioned, which is a little bit more obscure, I don't have a whole lot of information on like when it was released or whatnot, but it's Star Fox 64. Nice. This was obviously released for the Nintendo 64. Uh, and this game holds a very special place to me because it's what got me into <laughs> borderline <laughs> obsessive gaming. <laughs> I didn't, uh, I had a, we had an N64 and at some point my mom let me put the N64 in my own bedroom because nobody else played it. Uh, but we didn't have memory packs, so you, I couldn't save anything. So if I played, I'd have to make it all the way through to the final boss in one go to defeat it. Otherwise I'd never beat it. Um, and so I eventually got good enough to do that. But then I learned that there's all these other planets and routes you can take on the 64, the Star Fox 64. So you can take these secret, you can either do these secret challenges or take these secret passageways. Um, at certain points in like the levels and then it'll actually transport you to other levels so there's hidden levels you can reach so then i would try and get to the final boss from those it was a whole thing i never i never got to go to every single planet because i never got to figure it out and now i don't have a 64 anymore but it was it was a game that was very very special to me and it was a game that i sung many 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 hours in as a like elementary school aged kid and like early middle school so definitely on my honorable mentions should we just each person just go through their honorable mentions yeah i think we should just list them all yeah, yeah. cool uh super mario sunshine also made it on my honorable nice. mentions um call of duty black ops one uh, on my honorable mentions, and the last one I was going to mention is Forza Horizon Four. I thought that was going to be on your list. To I be honest, so. I thought so too. I it was between Need for Speed and Horizon Four for my number five. Nice. And it was yeah, it was it was tough, but ultimately there's this more replayability for me. Eventually, Horizon Four, you played it enough, and it just ran dry, and there wasn't much more to do. Uh, okay, so I've got lots. God of War is definitely on my honorable mentions. Spyro the Dragon, uh, Grand Theft Auto V, um, Star Wars Battlefront, the one that EA released for PlayStation 4. Also, Star Wars Battlefront 2 on the PlayStation 2, the original uh, trilogy, Battlefront 2. Uh, Minecraft, Fortnite, Uncharted 3, Lego Star Wars, all the infamous games, Last of Us 1, Last of Us 2. Um, Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, yeah, man. I don't know. All these games, they're great. Love them. I don't really have very many that I have as honorable mentions for a top five list, but I do have, I, so I have a couple. Skyrim is definitely on there. I really like Skyrim. I've never beat the regular storyline of Skyrim or gotten very far. Something always comes up for me. I have it. I'm going to plug it back in and try it again sometime soon. But I'm just going to make sure that there's something else that will take me away from it <laughs> a mere couple weeks later. Um, but, um, but yeah, so Skyrim's definitely one of them. Um, Spyro is on my list as well. Jack and Daxter. Um, I, I like Jack and Daxter a lot. I would probably put Jack 3 um, before I would put regular Jack and Daxter because I love the twist that they made. I think that's one one twist that was really risky. That's another Naughty Dog original. Um, but that was a risky move that they made because they went from a rated E game, very, very family friendly, um, to a rated oh. T game 
That is very rated yeah. T. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So um, that was a risky move, but I think they made the right move because it's a really cool change. And Jack 2 is great, don't get me wrong, but Jack 3, man, Jack there's 3 so is much. Jack 3 so fun. Oh, uh, Jack 3. Yeah, so those games for sure. Um, I just want to point out that I've played Minecraft on four different platforms. Five if you count if you count PlayStation Five and PlayStation Four as different. Dang. So there you go. One of them was Microsoft Office. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, actually, that's not true, but it's close. I played it on a Microsoft Surface once. I've played on I've in the played on Microsoft Surface. I've played on mobile with my not in the office. No, I've played on mobile with a phone. I've played on an iPad with a controller. I've played on PS4, PS3, and PS5. So I guess that's more than five. But yeah, Minecraft, man. You play it on anything. Okay, so we uh, tweeted something earlier today. Uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, you absolutely should. Because um, we're cool, sort of. Yes, it's at uh, Flicks and Clicks. Uh, no spaces, capital F, capital C, but I don't think those really matter. But anyway, that's where we are. And that's, that's Flicks and Clicks with X's. So F L I X C L I X. Yes. Um, and we were asking people what they thought their, their top five was. Um, and we got one response from one Jordan, who we have talked hey. about uh, numerous times on this podcast. So I just want to throw that out there before I go to my honorable, or honorable mentions. So his number five, GTA 5. His number four, Skyrim. Number three, Destiny 2. Uh, number two is Lego Star Wars. And then number one is Stardew Valley. Oh, my Dude, gosh. Come I, in clutch. Yeah, thank you, Jordan, for giving those answers. And Heck yeah. Um, yeah, on my honorable mentions is Stardew Valley. That's a fantastic game. Uh, my other ones are also GTA V. Uh, I put RuneScape on there. Uh, that was the game to play after elementary school with my friends. Um, that was so much fun. Uh, Assassin's Creed II, uh, one of the best atmospheres in a the game. They really nailed, uh, uh, well... I think Renaissance was a lot more dirty in real life, but uh, it was a very romanticized Renaissance, which was cool. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, Going Commando, Sly 3, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, um, Bloodborne, and then my last one is a game called Bully. I don't know if any of you guys have played it. It's another Rockstar game. Um, It's a T-rated GTA, basically. It's another satirical uh, game that's more focused on the school systems and adolescence and stuff. Um, I, I, I had a lot of fun with that as a kid. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. I want to throw out rocket league too. Um, mm. that's an awesome cross platform, uh, great game that can bring together people. So I, that's one of the games I play with some friends on, on that they're on switch and I'm on PlayStation. So that's an awesome one too. Yeah. All right. Does shout out to Minesweeper. <laughs> Oh, man. Yes. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Anyone have any final thoughts before we close out? I love video games, man, and I love talking about them with you guys. This is a blast. Heck, yeah. Uh, look us up on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. Um, if you if you haven't, share this with people that you think would like it, even if they aren't gamers or big movie people, but they like listening to you know, lifelong friends talk. Um, this is, this might be a good place for, for them. So, um, share it with people, recommend it. If you feel like it, um, we, 
would love that. So yeah, interact with us as much as you want on Twitter and Instagram. We love that. Uh, it uh, really helps us uh, really kind of drive forward and like, okay, what, you know, what do people want? What do, what do we, you know, it, it makes us feel good when, when we realize people are interacting with it. So um, it's awesome. So yeah, do that. Yeah. And I guess I will leave you guys with this. Uh, make sure two times a day and after every meal to wash your teeth skin and uh, you can While use toothpaste. While playing Halo on Microsoft Office. You can use toothpaste, soap, body wash, uh, dirt. Thanks. Have a good one. <laughs> Maybe if we was having a roast chicken one night or something.